we have Mr. Paul Mort. We have Mr. Lawrence Judd. We have Miss Tanya Filer. And we have Mr. James Smith. Hello. 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 What are you saying? Saying oh all God. the stuff. Mike, is this a funeral? No, <laughs> we are talking about business. So oh, I am wearing a suit, apparently, no, unlike anyone else. <laughs> oh, I think it's, uh, it's a nice attire. It certainly looks good on you. It oh, thanks very much. Banking on uh, the geese. I put something oh, man, there. No. I wanted to sit in geese today. Uh, me, I don't even know if I'll fit in the mine anymore. <laughs> Wait, what's going on with Paul Mort's sunglasses? What are these glasses, Paul? <laughs> well, dude, Mike's dressed for a funeral. I'm dressed like Jimmy Savile. Well, I was going to say Tony Stark, but you no, can go with Savile if you prefer. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you prefer. That'd be more appropriate, but yeah. Let's start this thing off on the right foot. Yeah, thanks for joining us today, guys. So um, for the very few that might be unaware of who you are, we're going to start with Tanya. Can you just give us a little blurb about you, what you do? what you've done, how we go from there, please. Of course. Um, so I'm an online marketing consultant. I've been using social media probably for around 10, 11 years now with um, loads of interesting clients in the fitness industry for five years. And um, I basically teach people how to communicate and connect their social media online audience, um, mainly for client acquisition. And I absolutely love it. No, thank you for joining us. Awesome. Okay, sorry, but is Tanya really quiet? A little bit. Have you got headphones, Tanya? I haven't, unfortunately. Well, I've got a headset, but it's an Xbox one. It might just be your mic awesome. that's not quite co that's covered up or something. It sounds almost like your mic is quiet. How's that? Is that better? That's that's oh, yeah, better, way better. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to totally go for that, actually, because we've got a mic suit, we've got Paul's glasses, and if you had the Xbox set as well, that would just complete it. <laughs> Yes, yeah, not a good crew. Uh, <laughs> Lawrence, tell us a bit about yourself, sir. Can you all hear me, just to make sure? Yes. yes. Yeah, great. Um, so I've been in the fitness industry for, I was in the fitness industry for five years. The other month I recently jumped ship to work in finance because money's great. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. Um, I essentially, I, I worked in, in very small startups, um, primarily a company called Treader by Science right at the beginning who taught personal trainers um, is now called the Personal Trainer Collective. I then did a year with a, an online coaching company called Macros Inc based in the States. Basically to help them get more clients and earn more money that worked in marketing for them. Um, that's what I'm now doing in the finance industry as well. Um, it's quite easy to sell people on making more money though. So I feel like fitness was slightly more of a challenge. That, yeah, uh, that's an easier sell, I, I feel. Yeah. Uh, and so. James, for anyone that might not be aware of you, also huge thanks because you're, there's quite a time difference between us. So you are squeezing us in in your evening, aren't you? This is this is 8pm, which is absolutely fine. Ben, Lucy Davis fit and Ben Holden had me out of bed at 5.45 this morning. So uh, this this is a much more convenient time, and they were asking me to drink alcohol. And even by my standards, five <laughs> is, is too early. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I'm James, online fitness uh, business owner, I suppose, one of Paul Mort's proteges. Uh, I've been convincing a lot of people I know stuff about fitness for quite a while now. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's about it. 
Number one bestseller in there, maybe. Uh, yeah, I don't know how that happened either. You know, I'm just winging it. I'll get, I'll get found out soon enough. But while I'm still, I think, I think we're friends. all winging it at the moment. <laughs> yeah. That's the interesting discussion about today. But before we get onto that, Mr. Paul Moore, if I'm anyone not. doesn't know about you, I hate talking about myself, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm uh, right now. I, I actually, my main thing is I, I work with, for a few years now. I work with married businessmen who need to get their shit together. Um, I am a dad, husband, and I've been self-employed since I was 21, and I'm 40 this year. So um, the, the, the reason I'm saying that is because you don't get, you don't stay self-employed for 19 years without figuring some things out about business, really. Um, yeah, so I've done a lot of shit, a lot of mad shit, a lot of good shit, spoken on a lot of stages, wrote a book, mentored thousands of people. Um, yeah. That's, that's essentially me, yeah. Ticked, ticked a few boxes then. Yeah, well, if you want to find out more about me, feel free to go to unstoppablebooks.com, subtle pitch. Yeah, there you go. That's the first one. There's the first one out of the way. Smooth segue into why we are talking about mindful marketing, because mindful marketing sounds a bit fancier than ethical marketing, because it's, I think, I have to use the word, don't I? Unprecedented times. It's very strange. I think we've possibly seen the best in people. We've seen the worst in terms of, trying to profit out of people at their most vulnerable because we've spoke, spoke a little bit about this on the previous one, but there's almost this broad spectrum at the moment where you've got people that are arguably not affected at all. If in fact anything, they've got the ability to save more money than ever. Um, and then those that have had their lives flipped on their head, they're financially just getting by, you know, mentally they're just coping. Is it weird to be selling, pe selling people your services now? I think a lot of probably health professionals are thinking. So let's get your opinion on that. So. I'll go straight in. It's selfish if I don't. Okay. Selfish as fuck. If I, if I have a solution to people's problems, I have a world-class program. I change people's lives. If I don't sell my program, people suffer more. That's as simple as that. And I, by the way, I had this little head melt myself. Before I was like, is it, is it weird to be selling? Should I be selling? And the reality is I was making assumptions that were wrong. Yeah, because I think this has evolved for people over the past few weeks as well. Yeah. Initially, how we felt like five weeks ago is understandably changing as time goes on as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and again, if, I have a, if anybody has something that changes someone's life and they're not selling it, they're, they're being selfish. Mm. They're, letting their, a, they're letting their own fucked up assumptions affect everybody else. From an ethical standpoint as well, if you're taken into a position where you're actually worried you know, oh, does this person have the money? Can they afford it? Is my solution good enough? Then just offer a money back guarantee, which, you know, say, look, within two, three weeks, if either this isn't worth what you think it is, or you feel that like this isn't a solution to those problems you have, I'll give you a money back. And by that, you can fivefold your, your sales. And if 10% come back with their tail between their legs, both parties win. The person feels a lot safer for the initial transaction, but the business owner gets the revenue and the ability to prove their uh, worth to the client as well. Mm -hmm. Interesting. How about you? You know, what I find quite interesting about this because I've I've watched a lot of people have this this discussion, and obviously, I work in a very different field to everybody else. But it's almost a bit like everyone else is experiencing a bit of what I'm experiencing throughout the rest of the year, in the sense that you know people are worried about selling things like exercise and fitness and stuff like that, which is which is helping people. Like, if your product is good and it's helping people, then it's okay to make money from doing that. It's okay to pay your bills if you're providing something that's useful. Otherwise, I shouldn't be being paid to do my job at any time throughout the year, not just in kind of lockdown and stuff. And it's something that obviously, like we don't expect not to pay 
you know, doctors, nurses, paramedics, things like that. So why, why is, why should we not expect to pay yeah. other people and services that are improving our lives too? And Mike, what's interesting here, guys, is that you guys are seeing all the, there's a lot of free stuff going on right now, but the people, listen, people that pay, pay attention. I've done a bunch, I said, I did a webinar Thursday night, a thousand people signed up for my webinar Thursday night, right? And I said to them, listen, I know 90, this, I'm going to give you world-class content. 95% you're going to do fuck all with it for one reason. You've got no skin in the game. When we make an investment, we want to return on investment. So I say to them, listen, I can give you all this content for free, but the only way I'm going to be able to change your life is if you join my program. This content has the ability to change your life, but you're not going to do it. So I get the free thing. I get that people will do things for free, but free's never really done that much for people because yeah. they don't value it. Yeah, because it's quite interesting as well because it's along the lines of what you were saying, it's how people value things. Not, I'm generally a believer in people find the money for things they value in life. I know obviously circumstances are hugely different at the moment, but there's some people that view PTs, um, investing in gym memberships, BJJ memberships, whatever it might be as an investment and others that see it as a luxury. So at, at this time, I mean, I'll probably just switch to Tanya. What, are, what are fitness professionals, what do you feel they need to do differently? So uh, one thing that I see a lack of with, um, specifically online coaches and fitness professionals the ones that are transitioning from face-to-face -face pt to online or trying to increase their online audience is a lack of conversation skills um i know jamie was talking earlier about soft skills um conversation skills although it's deemed as a soft skill when you're in online coaching it is a massive massive skill that you need to be focusing on if you if you don't have that ability to communicate with your audience, with your potential clients, with your existing clients, there's going to be a disconnect. There's going to be a lack of buy-in. And going back to what Paul was saying about value, value isn't necessarily always a monetary or financial um, transaction. It's an emotional transaction as well. And if you're not giving people that, that value, that connection, it can be making someone laugh. It can be making someone feel um, more secure that emotional transaction is sometimes worth more than the financial investment that they make. Yeah. Cause I think there's, cause people get wrapped up in that. And um, something actually I heard you refer to James on your podcast is almost this toxic positivity, this false motivation in that people aren't necessarily giving themselves as they are to their audience, which, which yeah, it actually ostracizes them from their audience. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think that a lot of people uh, where obviously the market has, changed and it requires an adaption there shouldn't be you shouldn't throw your sales funnel out and i think a lot of people now have lost sight thinking probably are oh, you know data capture isn't going to work my uh, social media is not going to work in the same sense my email marketing will be affected and we're seeing these and I, I know it was spoken about in the video before about these live workouts going up for free but people's problems haven't changed now we need to be more sensitive over the location of where this is happening and uh, as i mentioned there a hundred percent you know, communication skills, uh, most online coaches, I tell them to add all their clients on WhatsApp, have personal conversations them all day. And, you know, I completely agree that fitness is only a small part of your offering as a trainer, especially through these times. And I think it's very important that people don't abandon that structure they have in place. They just kind of make small changes to it. And now, like Paul says as well, the marketplace seems to be who can give away the most for free. But that was never a solution to the same problems people had when they could go to the gym. So um, I think that people just need to stay true to that process 
and adjust the process instead of throwing it out altogether. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think people need to remember as well that there's been free workouts forever. Like if you Google free workout, you'll have more workouts than you can ever do in your whole life. Yeah. That shouldn't be a threat to your business. Nah, people know how to work out anyway. People know how to work out. Yeah. They know what like to do. Free nutrition plans. Do you know why they're not doing it though? The people know how to work out. People know how to get in shape. They're not doing it because they're not paying for it. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much as simple as that. I mean, James, you mentioned sales funnels as well. Lawrence, like, in terms of systems in place, um, do you feel people should be working harder with that stuff now? Obviously, being themselves on their social media, that goes without saying. But um, having systems to onboard people. It's a good question. I wouldn't necessarily change much, I think. Uh, I, I would actually echo a lot of what James said about keep a lot of things the same people are going to find you in the same ways. People are going to tumble down your sales funnel in the same ways that they, that they did normally, but and the reason I say that is kind of addressing the first point of should we be selling at the moment? Yes, but I think, and I think it's really good that personal trainers are asking that. I think it's a really great, you know, sign of, of decent morality that people are going well should i be selling this at the moment yeah. but i think that's because a lot of fitness professionals are framing their services in the, in the same way as they were when like before all of this happened and for a lot of those people they are selling a luxury of some sort they are selling a service that is not fundamental to someone's survival as paul just said everyone knows how to work out like a, a person trainer offers something more than that. However, in this current climate, I would actually reframe the way that you look at your own services at this point, because you are no longer selling a tailored fit or just a tailored fitness program. You are selling human connection to people at a time where everyone is lacking that you are selling just the prod to just go and do the workout at the moment which again everyone is now lacking because their routines are completely out of whack they no longer have their set times in the diet room and they're when they're going to the gym or when they go for a run or whatever so absolutely sell um the one thing that i would say is make it very very clear as to what communications of yours on social media in your sales funnel whatever are designed to build a relationship with people to relate to them, to empathize with them and which ones are designed to sell. I think at the moment people are more and more sensitive to being sucked in by a message that appears at first to relate to how they're feeling, to empathize with how they're feeling and then being blindsided with a sales pitch. That is just going to immediately turn people off. I think at the moment, because it's a massive fuck you to them. Yeah. Whereas I, I I, I saw this the other day with a... a by the way, mate, I couldn't disagree more with this statement, by the way. Fine. Oh. You, dis, you, you disagree. I, I completely expected that, and that's not... <laughs> um, I'd love to hear why. Uh, but again, I, I saw it the other day where somebody posted... It wasn't a fitness professional. It was a different industry. Posted a an IGTV video where it was just everyone's going through this terrible time, and it was this kind of false positivity thing. And then it was, oh, by the way, buy my shit. I'm like really you you're putting it there mm. um whereas i think we have to 
be very cognizant of the fact that there are people who are absolutely willing to buy at the moment. There are people with money who want fitness related products, but create communications that very specifically target those people. Don't, I, I think, separate the markets much more than you might do normally. That's the only thing I would say for any potential kind of marketing and onboarding systems. Mm. I'd love to hear why Paul disagrees with me, yeah. by the way. Well, I, I, I kind of discussion. I agree with the bit that you just said. If people are, okay. changing, if people are changing their offering so that it's kind of like a brand new thing that I think we're seeing a lot of people who are offering a brand new thing that has nothing to do with what they did before. I agree 100% with that. But if I, if I put out content and don't, cause all we're doing is a sales pitch is just a logical next step for people. That's all it is. And I think that if I don't offer somebody a logical next step, I'm kind of leaving them hanging. I think if the, if the first piece of the content piece isn't packed with value, if it doesn't offer any value and then I'm offering a sales pitch, I agree with you. But if somebody's offering something of value and then doesn't give me a logical next step and tells me what I can do next, then I'm doing, again, I'm doing them a disservice. And I think what's happened is a lot of people are letting their clouded beliefs or their limited beliefs about money affect people that they could, that could change their life. Yeah. Sorry, Paul, can I interrupt you? Only because James has put it in the comments there. Can we just, can you explain a sales funnel to our audience that who that might not be aware of that? So I had a pretty funny case study uh, yesterday or day before. A girl I know was on uh, Fittest in Dubai, the CrossFit documentary, and she's a competitor on that. And I messaged her and I go, flipping heck. I was like, that's decent. You're in the top 10 women in the world for CrossFit. I went onto her page and I said, I'm kind of offended you've never sold to me because you're one of the best female athletes ever. And I said to her, um, how's it going? Gyms are closed. And she was like, yeah, good. I was like, have you got a program? She was like, no. And I was like, why are you posting me your workouts? I was like, your social media has nothing that I need. I said to her, no offense, no one cares about what workout you're doing and it's not inspiring them. And I said, muscle ups, double unders. I was like, there are so many things that I don't know how to do. And I was like, why aren't you telling me your story about how you first learned how to hook grip? How you first got your first muscle up? I was like, there's so many emotional stories that you've been through that other people aspiring to be you, ultimately your only followers, are following you for and you're not giving it to them. And I said to her, I was like, why don't you create a short guide on how to um, hook grip when you do Olympic lifting? Post a story about it on social media. From there, tell people where they can get their guide. For that guide, take their email address in return. So they've moved down the funnel. 10,000 people might see it. 2,000 people might download the program. Uh, 2,000 email addresses that you email about, you know, hey, did that revolutionize your lift? They go use it in the gym and it does. They come back, they've suddenly got this report. Oh my God, that's completely fixed my hook grip. By the way, if you want more personalized CrossFit coaching, email me direct. Here's my landing page or my sales page. Click on that. And ultimately, the more people that see your social media content will filter through the funnel and come out as clients. And so many people are unaware of this. And Paul taught me this best where he goes, you need to go to the clubs, that's social media. If you don't use social media for our avenues, you're not going to meet anyone because you're sat at home on a Saturday night. From there, you must talk to people and engage with them. From there, you must get their number because not everyone wants to go home the night in the club. They might be keen, but they may not. They may be out with their friends. So you need to make sure you text them, you follow them up and you chase in with them. Wednesday night comes around, they've got a cancellation. Suddenly you're in and it, there's a funnel in everywhere of our life. And ultimately, again, bit crass. The better you market yourself uh, as a single person, the more sex you're going to get. 
And we have these tunnels that we appreciate in modern day life, but we need to uh, understand that they exist everywhere. And it's not, uh, social media is not just the place to show someone your abs or show them your workout because ultimately no one gives a fuck. What they want, as we mentioned right at the beginning, is a solution to the problems. And if you can take someone on a journey of, I once struggled with this, this is how I overcame it, this is something that can help you for free, all I need is your email address. Suddenly we don't have to worry about that ethical decision because we're only going to be emailing people that got something from our offering in the first place. Yeah, because it's interesting because you mentioned the emotional attachment. I know you said it's an emotional investment as well, Tanya, because it's authenticity, if you like, if I'm going to put it in air quotation, seems to be on trend. But we hope with that comes a level of transparency. But where, understandably so, maybe the fitness industry get a bad rap sometimes is that there isn't that transparency. And I mean, I'm sure we've all seen the get your body like this during COVID-19, but they're not filling in necessarily all the gaps. Is that essentially where a lot of people are still going wrong do you feel because that they're trying to appeal to the masses but they're not being authentic and transparent in their message yeah i think transparency is something that it comes under the vulnerability umbrella as well if you're not portraying something that is able to resonate with the everyday audience because a mistake i see a lot of fitness professionals from independent gym owners to um, fitness influencers, a lot of mistakes are that they're not making this realistic and resonate with the general public. Um, and it comes down to your target market. Who are you trying to attract? If you're, um, for example, a local PT, you've just taken your fitness business online and your demographic is 35 to 40 year old women who've just had a baby and want to get back in shape, your message, your offering, your price point, um, how you word your social media, how you word your marketing and how you portray yourself needs to be vastly different than if you were, for example, a independent gym owner who is looking to get CrossFit based athletes into their gym. The messaging is very different. The level of transparency needs to be different. Um, authenticity is definitely a buzzword, but it is something that is essential when it comes to social marketing, because what we're trying to do, the end point for all of social media is to get somebody into a conversation. And you can't do that without putting elements of yourself into the message, because it's the cliche, no like trust, but you can't get somebody to know you or know your business unless you are being authentic with it, showing them what it is, what it offers, what the value is, um, who it's for. Once you've got that bubble of they know what you are, they know who you are, what your values are. Um, mindful marketing is about values-based, customer-focused marketing. If they don't have that essential no element, you can't get them to like you because we only buy from people that we like or have an affinity with. Um, there's always, even if you like the logo, there's something there that makes that connection. And then when they like you, they trust you, then they buy from you. They may not buy immediately, but they may refer you to somebody, one of their, one of their mates. They may say, oh, look, I've seen this thing on social media. James Smith has just brought this book out. It's not for me, but I think it'd be great for you. And that's, that's how an organic sales funnel works. It's that no like trust. And if you're not putting yourself out there authentically, um, with a level of transparency, you're going to be wasting a lot of time. It's, you might get there eventually, but to refine your processes, 
you've got to understand who you're marketing to, what your message is, what your values are, and what your offering and position is as a business owner. Even as a, an individual online coach and you're just starting, you need to know who you are for and what result you are selling them. Because like everybody said, we are buying the hole, not the drill. So if you're selling that result, who is this result for? What interests do they have that I can get them involved with me? What affinities do we have? It could even be mm. something as stupid as supporting the same football or rugby team. If you're putting that out there, you'll have a bunch of people go, I like this guy. He supports Tottenham or he's a Saris fan. There's always that element of, of connection there somehow. And it comes from authenticity, vulnerability and transparency. Mm. Tanya, one thing you said, which has really resonated with me and I keep remembering it, is that you, your perfect client is someone who's very much like you. Yep. And I sort of turned around and looked at my clients and it's so true and almost to the T, like you attract what you put out. Yeah, exactly and, that. And even things like what you both find funny and little things like that you realize further on down the line, yeah. how similar your clients are to yourself. Definitely. Which is really, like I just thought it was such an interesting point. And, and it also helps that I think a lot of trainers feel like they're in competition with other trainers and they're not because everyone is different. Like someone who is turned off by the stuff I put out might be turned on by the stuff that James puts out and vice versa because we're different personalities. Yeah, absolutely. There is no wrong way um, to market yourself on social media in terms of um, what you put out there. I was saying to one of my clients yesterday that we can produce values-based content. We can produce information education-based content, but I can guarantee that every time somebody comes into a conversation with you, it's probably because of the fluff bullshit that you've posted that they've resonated with. A lot of conversations happen off the back of um, a protein bar that you've posted and someone says, oh my God, what's that one? What's that one like? Is it good? Seven um, out of seven. Yes. <laughs> seven, seven out of seven. seven. There, the Dr. Banner scale. Um, <laughs> but it is, it's always the fluff, the conversation that will lead somebody into your net and then we'll make them buy from you eventually because you can have eight personal trainers, online coaches, gyms, offering the same solution, the same result at the same price point. They're always going to go to the one that has an affinity with them, whether it be the fact that it's a blue logo and they like the color blue or whether the owner just happens to be from the same school that they went to. There's always going to be that affinity there. And if you're not communicating that effectively, you're, marketing to too many people and we need to have that niche that real small um, market at first to understand who we're actually for and what we're offering if it's great and delivery of service is always key here um, I think it was Phil Graham said that he a lot of the time he'll be talking to coaches and they're not being successful because they're a shit coach not because of the content or their marketing or their funnel because the delivery of service is bad yeah, which is a funny thing that people don't look at first. Like, I always really question, like, business coaches if they're like, yeah, anyone can come on and I'll help you grow your business. And if you can't coach, you, then you can't grow business coaching. So, just to ask. And if I piggyback on what Tanya said a little bit. Yeah, go for it. Yes, yeah. yes, please. Um, I think this is a, a really fundamental thing for anybody who was a personal trainer in a gym and is now being forced into delivering something online because, you know, they've got bills to pay and food to eat and stuff like that. P 
people's buying decisions are going to be influenced by far more different things now. Like if somebody is coming to you as a personal trainer in the gym, the number one decision is going to be what's the nearest gym to my house. If somebody is an exceptional personal trainer, then maybe they might be willing to go to the second closest gym to the house, possibly the third. Then it's, it's going to be things like, do you have a BO problem? Can you remember my name? Things like that. Can you actually make me laugh and teach me how to squat properly? When you're in the online game, none of that really matters so much anymore. It is far more now about you as an individual, which is why the people that win, I say win, again, like Emma said, like people are in competition. I mean the people who grow their businesses to the point that they want to grow their businesses to either focus very much on being a winning personality that is very polarizing or they focus very much on delivering just the absolute slickest experience for the person. And I'm talking like kind of apps at this point where somebody just has an immensely brilliant user experience with an online coaching platform. Um, so that's really what you've, you've got a choice between. If you are boring, then possibly try something that's a bit more app-based. If you are really <laughs> uncomfortable putting yourself out on the internet, there is absolutely nothing wrong with picking the other option. You do not have to be the bloke who's on IG stories 24 seven talking about his dog or in my case doing fucking magic tricks. Cause that's what I'm doing now in quarantine. Um, so be you, but also be the parts of you that you like on social media. Cause you attract what you put out. If you only ever post on social media about the bits of you that really fucking wind you up, then you're going to find people who, reflect the bits of you that really wind you up you probably don't want to deal with them as clients frankly because on that on being you because i was going to say because of course in the most complimentary way possible james and paul you do this i think fantastically you are on unapologetically you on your social media is this a thought process that you have or is no, it just something I mean, that you're, I mean, you're you yeah, and then whoever you attract you attract yeah i like I, I love this question because i think a lot of this should be when we talk about authenticity in that a lot of it should be effortless even if it's uncomfortable like someone yeah. said to me the other day, Paul, like, how do you get comfortable on camera? Because it doesn't feel natural. I'm like, actually doing it while you're uncomfortable is natural. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, a lot of this should be effortless. You shouldn't have to try and be authentic. Mm -hmm. So if you are boring, kind of be boring. Like, you know, <laughs> that might be your quirk. You yeah. attract people that are just like you. So if you're boring, you've probably got a lot of boring mates. You might attract boring clients. That's okay. And, and, <laughs> and the thing is, right, if you're boring, right, here's the great thing. Somebody might find you incredibly interesting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the loudest person in the room isn't always the most confident. No. Nope. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like so for, I think there's a lot. Well, they might be the most confident, but they might not be the most interesting. Yeah, they might also be the most insecure. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting thing, but a lot of this, a lot of this, like authenticity stuff, I, I've never really used that word because I'm just like, I've tried not, like way back when I had a business that I hated and when I was super low because I attracted a lot of people who... I didn't enjoy hanging out with and doing business with. And that's because on the outside, I was professional Paul. And then when they came into my world, that was this dickhead. So I was treading on eggshells and then they get all offended. And I'd be like, oh my God, I built this thing that I didn't like because I tried the whole professional thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to jump in on the comments for a second if that's all right. So yeah, um, 
there's there's two topics that just came up here someone in a disappearing comment said do we have to be niche and i think that you know if um let's bring um a doctor analogy into play let's say you've got a, a very bad type of cold that's incredibly rare you don't want to see a general doctor if you saw three doctors that were like yeah we're, we're well cheap but we do everything for a general practitioner but then one doctor comes along and goes i charge three times the going rate but i actually specialize in that exact cold it would it'd be a no-brainer and so when we look at niches although it, it hurts us a lot to shut off our market to everyone else let's look at brett Contreras, right a, a purely business focus uh he picked the he picked the glutes right and that means that he switches off half of the world's population. What about men? What about bodybuilders? You know, um, what about people that want big chests? Dude, I thought you meant half the world doesn't have a butt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm like, dude, hasn't everyone got a butt? That's only interested say, in uh, one specific half the world. Anyway. I would say uh, less, less than half the world are interested in training their butt. And Brett, funnily enough, went on that discovery, the journey of self-discovery being self-conscious of his own. And niche is very important. And they say niches is where the riches is. So when people, they think they're pigeonholing themselves for reduced income, but you're actually pigeonholing yourself for the biggest income. And it is the specialists, you know, the surgeons that specialize in brain operations, heart operations, who are the most sought after, rather than someone coming in going, mate, well, what's wrong with you? I'll operate on fucking anything you want me to. Um, Oi, GPs are all right too, you know. <laughs> and the, the, the you second point- Don't operate on um, anything. Some three people said, how do I convert my Instagram into more online clients? And that's a bit like saying, how can I get more people on the dance floor to come home with me? And you're skipping so many steps. There is only one job from social media. You should be saying, and the reason I asked about the email list is the only objective you have from social media is emails. So you shouldn't be worrying about your clients. You should be worrying about how much data you're collecting. Then from your data you're collecting, you should be looking at how many people are clicking on the link of your email. And these are all individual battles. It doesn't go talk to someone, get laid. That is naive. And it, it, it's a disservice to the middle process. The efficacy of your social media is how much data you're getting. Because I don't care if you're getting a million views a video. Like at the end of the day, if you're not using something that you can quantify to sell to, it's like a priest with a massive knob. And then we move down the, the funnel if your emails are ineffective or you do a Ben Carpenter and you write these, these really detailed emails, but you don't put a call to action, again, you're in the exact same position. And if your clicks aren't, or your reading or open rates aren't good enough, you need to work on your emails. Then if you're getting the clicks, but you're not getting the sales, maybe it's your product, your pricing point, whatever it is. We can't just look at social media, got a lot of views. Why haven't I got a lot of clients? Because there are so many different skills and, and processes in between that you need to identify and look to where, where people are getting stuck in your funnel. Do you know what I think is quite interesting here? James brought up the, the, the niche thing. And then before that, we talked about authenticity. I think sometimes if you are like 100% you, you have the courage to do that, you'll kind of find your own niche by default. Yeah. You are your own niche. You know what I mean? You, you kind of, you almost stumble into this niche because you're unapologetically you. Not everyone's going to like you and it will be boring well, yeah that's what tanya was saying isn't it that you're sort yeah. you're attracting what you put out basically yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's no coincidence i attract i attract absolute fucking lunatics <laughs> <laughs> i think it's it's an interesting point a lot of people think that niching their services down means like specific things that they offer or like bolt-ons to their service or oh i'm a powerlifting coach only for 75 year old women with three dogs and a husband called clive it's 
<laughs> it's building on what Tanya said and thinking more in terms of what emotional benefits are you providing people? Yeah. That's where the niche is. The niche is not exactly how you describe yourself. Your niche is how you make someone else feel. Yeah. Cause it's an interesting one. Cause I mean, I did use the buzzword, but exactly as Paul said, like authenticity is the buzzword, but I always find it quite interesting when someone says, Oh, I met so-and-so and they're exactly as they are on Instagram. Yeah. It's, shouldn't they be? Should, should authenticity has also been kind of developed into its own thing in and of itself because of the number of influencers who are trying to be authentic but then also just copying each other yeah like all of them are being authentic by getting up in the morning having a fucking smoothie with no makeup on and then being authentic with their friends at brunch having avocado toast and then posting about a massive struggle that they had in the evening about like which love island contestant they hate the most or something ridiculous i, I don't even know but it's this this kind of really homogenous authenticity and it's people don't actually understand that authenticity is simply just being you yeah like you don't being you is not trying to be like everyone fucking else is doing the you, same don't thing have to, you. you shouldn't have to think about no, it no exactly it's Let's just be you yeah. No, no, yeah. Don't don't filter yourself. Obviously, filter some things. Yeah. Don't don't post <laughs> yeah. certain things on Instagram. Um, but just be you. There is no harm in being you at this point, and you will attract people who want to be trained by you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I I think we've touched on this because there's there's much talk at the moment about being you and added value, uh, and we've definitely touched on it briefly. But if we could expand a bit more on it. Because people do people value anything free? Because I know there's distinctly free and then there's added values for free as well. I do value it. Should people be adding value to their services? Free stuff is actually a long game. For yeah. A lot of people will offer a bunch of free stuff as a way of kickstarting something. And that can absolutely work for that. But at the moment, free stuff is a long game. Free stuff is for when things reopen. Free stuff is when people get back to normal. And they start thinking, oh, actually, you know, I'd, I'd quite like to, instead of just using fitness as a way of stopping boredom at the moment and actually getting off the sofa for once a day, it's now a case of, oh, maybe I want to take this seriously. Then it'll be, right, who did I connect with the most lockdown? Let's say I did like six free programs from people over the course of it because I didn't want to commit anything to it at the moment. It's not that serious. But I can see a lot of people are doing these three things. Who did I connect with most? Who made me laugh the most? Who got me the sweatiest? It's the long game at the moment if you are offering free stuff. Um, so then it does need to be, for you, there needs to be that balance between offering free stuff and making sure you can pay your own bills. You have a moral imperative to yourself to pay your own bills at the moment. So make sure you are selling enough to people as well as giving free stuff away. I think the free stuff doesn't, like transactionally, it can be free as in, you're not getting any money, but you should be getting yeah. something for it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So, so like, um, when we, when we say about, uh, you know, the last thing I want PTs to go is to start giving away programs, you know, and ultimately a bit like getting a girl, sorry, I always use dating analogies. Girl might say, I've got a boyfriend. You say, can I have your number in case you're single in a few months? You know, uh, say to people now, look, I appreciate your skin. in these tough times. Good news is I'm only after you have a dress and I'm giving you this guide. So, um, then ultimately you're, you're not doing it for free. You're doing it for emails, which could be one of the most valuable currencies. Uh, you know, they're only going to increase as time goes on. You know, the value of an email address moving through 
uh, time as we go along is uh, is certainly going to become more and more. And if you're the person that's emailing them and keeping up to date with them, you're going to be the first person that they reach out to when they get reemployed. Yeah, I think we're talking a lot about honesty. We're talking a lot about honesty before. And then one thing that I will say is that I did a webinar on Thursday, like I said before, and I was just clear from the start. I said, listen, I'm going to give you tremendous world-class value here. And I don't wait. I didn't wait until the end to do this big pitch upon them. I said, listen, I'm going to tell you this. So I'm, I'm, I'm not doing it for the good of my health. I'm giving up my Thursday night to serve you and give you world-class value. And if at any point anything that I say resonates with you and you'd like to spend more time with me because that's essentially what they're doing. They get to spend more time with you on a more personal level, learning higher level stuff that you can't cover for free. And like just being honest up front. And I just said, if at any point, anything I say resonates with you, here's a logical next step. Go to this website and join this program. That's it. And then I, then I can relax knowing that People know that there's something to buy, but then I can also focus on just giving great value to people. And then if they see, actually, I want more value, I want to spend more time with you, then I can join my program. I say, just strap yourself in. because Listen, the more value I give you for free, the more likely you are to possibly buy something from me. And it's a really as important a point as well. Sorry. Sorry, I think at the moment, um, a lot of people in before all of this happened might have tried... Uh, what I call kind of an opt-out approach, whereas you just try and force somebody down the sales funnel. I think at the moment, it's more important than ever, as Paul was just saying, to give them an opt-in approach. So it's a case of going, this is the next step. I'm doing this anyway. Yes. You can get this anyway. If yes. you want to come, if you have the means to come, perfect. This is yeah. what you do next. It's very much an opt-in rather than trying to dupe people into it's falling down the sales funnel. It's relaxed for everybody. Yeah. It makes everybody exactly. comfortable. makes everybody exactly. comfortable. Yeah, because that, that's part of the transparency in the equation as well, isn't it? Being honest and open from the front, from the start of the conversation. So no one feels duped. No one gets that. It feels like they're being... Yeah, there's no buyer's remorse. That nobody's getting forced into anything. Yeah. All the details. Here's how much it is. Here's how it works. If you want to join, cool. If not, I'm still going to give you great value here. Because I used to do that thing where I do a webinar. You get to the end and you're expecting the pitch. You'd rush it anyway because it doesn't sit right with you. It, um, it doesn't, the people on the other end can't wait for it to finish. So just getting it out of the way at the start, say, have this thing that you can buy if you want. You don't have to. I'm cool either way, and you're going to get great value from this free stuff. But if you want more time with me, that's essentially what a lot of us are selling, more time with you, more of your time, more of your knowledge. Yeah. That, that's, that's just how I'm positioning it, and it, feel, it feels good for everybody. It feels right. It sits right. It feels natural, um, and there's no... There's no kind of that fear that fear people just get scared mm. People just get scared i think i was talking to a few guys yesterday about um people saying oh i want to wait until coronavirus is over and i mean that's fine that's mm -hmm. fine just when, when we give somebody a price often they'll be like i can't afford it i need to think about it. it's just the fear brain pops up because there may have been due before and often in fitness it's not the trainer that they don't trust it's themselves that don't trust because they've spent money before and failed so many times me included do you think that fear as well is what sparked a lot of those home workouts and a lot of people churning out the same sort of stuff, almost being fearful that their competitors are doing one thing that they should be doing it as well? Because everyone's responding from fear, yeah, right. they? There's not a, a pandemic textbook out there. No yeah. one really knows what they're doing. I'll tell you something that a lot of um, a lot of my guys did, because a lot of people panic and just shut their gym down and cancel everybody's memberships, and that's fine. And I said, I think a big mistake that a lot of trainers and not just trainers because i actually most of my business isn't with fitness people anymore 80 percent of my clients i've got guys who own 12 subway stores guys who run restaurants guys who own big building companies so guys that run windows and doors guys that just a bunch of different guys right now 
And I think what I said to people, you've got to ring your clients instead of putting up this sexy offer with all these things that you don't know if they want, recipe books, all this, just ask them what they need. Have a conversation with them. So my guys are ringing people up and just said, listen, obviously we're going through a tough down time. Gym's closed. It's important to look after X, Y, and Z. What would you need from me to stay on track? Just give, that's all we're doing. That's all coaching is really, is fulfilling a need. Yeah, meeting people where they're at. Needs. Like you don't have to come up with a sexy offer and try and fill in the blanks. Just ask people what they need. What would you need from me to continue working with me? What would you need from me to get better results than you're getting right now? What would you I need don't think me? people know though. I think that's what you have to do at the moment. You're a yeah. leader. You, you're saying what people need to do at this time. I yeah. can help you with this. Yeah. Not an open-ended question like, okay, everything's crazy at the moment. Yeah. We don't know when we're going back to work. We don't know what to expect. Yeah. What do you need? They don't yeah. know. That's yeah. why you've got to offer well, them. Well, often, often, often they do. What people will always say is, oh, well, I need some accountability. Or I, need, I need help with my willpower. I need help with staying on the wagon. But we know that. Yeah. The, the art of being a good marketer is the art of being a great listener to what people aren't saying. Like, I think it's the classic Henry Ford quote of, if I asked people what they wanted, they'd have said a faster horse. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. people are telling you what they want, yeah. but they're not telling you directly. I think James really wants to address some questions from the group. Um, there's, there's a couple of things here that uh, yeah. just so don't go amiss while we're, yeah. uh, while we're here. So, the first point was uh, someone said, I've just started out, which is fantastic. To be on a platform like this, very new to personal training, uh, hats off to you. Um, okay, so uh, as Paul will back me up on this, there's no need for fancy websites uh, in the onset. So don't waste your money there. And someone else said, so if, unless you're a PT, can you not start an email list? And they're absolutely not. Imagine this. If you're on, again, a dating analogy, if you're on a date, you never check your emails. You might check your social media. You check your family WhatsApp. But emails are the place that people only check when they have time. A lot of the time people go somewhere, they go to the cafe or they sit down with a coffee, they open their laptop and even your wallet is often at hand. Whenever you sit down at the table, you get your wallet and your phone out. I pay all my credit card bills and everything all in one go. So if there's ever a time that people are in a position to pay, it's through email. No one really buys through social media because there's a lack of trust there. Now, in a bid to take people out of the crowded room of social media, that's all you're looking to do. And if your service offering is a physio, a hairdresser, uh, you know, masseuse, PT, whatever it is, you can even be a therapist. You need to take people out of that busy room of social media, just have a one-on-one -on -one conversation where they're actually giving you their full attention. I've very rarely caught any of my friends reading an email. Oh, sorry, mate, I'm just reading an email. No, you often they get stuck on a flipping video of some viral TikTok or whatever it is. So whatever industry you're in, Getting someone's email address is a bit like taking that girl away from the dance floor to the bar where she can hear what you're saying. And if people that are worried about people not having money, not having a product, if you get a graphic designer who probably is on their ass with no money anyway, there is something that you've said as a personal trainer where your client's gone, oh my God, that makes so much sense to me. You get that nicely drawn up in a PDF. If you sold that for £3.99 to 20 people, that's not a lot of revenue, but that's 20 people who now trust you and are a hell of a lot, lot more likely to buy into a higher end PT plan that you are winging as you bring off the ground in a few weeks, months time. No matter what avenue you're in, wherever you are, whether you're first in, last in, whatever it is, ultimately getting a, a funnel isn't something for the experience. It's not people for, for someone with big followings. And Paul is indicative of that. Billing the most out of probably anyone that I know in the fitness industry, one of the smallest followings. And it was all about the size of his funnel that he was keeping down his pants. But, you know, it's... Uh, I was going to say, it's like a euphemism. <laughs> I, yeah. I, 
you've got to consider the, the different level of commitment. And what I know, we don't know, we often don't know who people are on my social media. Like they might follow us because, well, not in my case, because I'm handsome, or they might follow me for a different reason because I'm entertaining. But what I know, almost for a fact, if someone comes onto my email list, a James email list, they are saying, I've got that problem that you keep talking about. I think that you might have the solution to it. That's, I know for a fact, someone joined my email list because they've maybe bought my book, maybe they've downloaded my, my End Self Sabotage audiobook, whatever it is. They've bought that, and I know for a fact that they have the problem that I've got a solution to. Like, I, I don't know that on, on the socials. So yeah. like, like that's, the, that's the big difference. It's just that all it is is the next logical step. And I know if you're on my email list, you have the problem that I can solve. My emails will help you to a certain level, um, but then I'm going to give you the next logical step after that. Yeah. And I guess with emails as well, the, the positive being that if they've found you somehow, that is their way of accessing you. Whereas arguably a lot of people get lost on social media. I mean, yeah. countless times we're all, we're all guilty of it just scrolling. We're not even yeah. looking at anything. Um, I'm conscious of time. There's so much value there already. I know James has been keeping my mic. Have any mega questions cropped up for the guys before they go? Um, I think James has taken over my role as finding questions. He's done a much better job than I have certainly on this. But I think it's been, I think what's really interesting actually is watching the thread is a lot of people are answering each other's questions, which is, which is really, really nice to see. Um, I have a question. Yeah. Yeah. TikTok. Is that a worthwhile, is, is that, could that be a start of a funnel? I mean, if you're getting a lot of views there and then they find you somewhere else where you're Ask actually Paul. putting out good content. Anything can be the start of a funnel. <laughs> yeah. Like any, any platform where you say to people en masse, here is me and this is the problem I solve. Yeah. Anything and if, can be the start people, of a That's what I feel people don't say on TikTok. It's just, here is me dancing in my kitchen. Fine. But again, if, if that's the case of creating awareness of you as a personality first then you can lead in with that next logical step of here's the problem I solve. Like it's basically think, a case of, of what comes first. If somebody's on TikTok, they're not looking for the solution to problems. They're looking for interesting people. Whereas if somebody is Googling the, like, the solution to a certain problem, the start of the funnel is then, well, here's the solution to your problem. Like it's, it's, diff it's different intent. And that's what you've got to pay attention to when you're looking at what is my sales funnel. It's like, well, how do I attract people? Do I want to attract people that are only searching for this specific thing? Or do I want to, is my personality my strongest suit? If you've got a really unique, innovative solution to a very particular problem that is like that nobody else is doing, fine. Then get on Google, get on page one of Google for that very specific solution because nobody else is doing it. If somebody realizes they have that problem, then you are the only person who can solve that. Whereas personal trainers, sorry, but you all do the same fucking thing. Um, <laughs> like, uh, you, you all do the same thing. So at that point, it's, it's personality. It's, it's wh where is the start of your sales funnel? It's me turning around and going, oh, I like that dude. Yeah. He keeps talking about calorie deficits and putting girls in clubs. I think it's actually <laughs> calorie fucking deficit. Uh, sorry, calorie fucking deficit. So we talked about before, we talked about niches, right? And one of the, what, for me, rule number one is if, we, if, we, if, we talk, if we're, we're trying to attract a specific type of person, the first thing we've got to do is go where they are. We've got to go where they are. And for me, uh, I don't work with eight-year-old boys. Eight -year -old <laughs> boys. want to learn how to fucking do the Macarena. That's not... That's not, I work with married businessmen, so I'm not going to go on TikTok. And what, I, are you I, telling me eight-year-old girls don't check their emails with their wallets? 
<laughs> yeah. I was like, for people like you've got a TikTok account, I said, no, but my six-year-old daughter has. But I get that. I disagree. Are, I disagree with you. Paul, you got you got to look at the users that are actually using TikTok. So we're looking at over eight hundred million. So we're actually closing in. A lot similar it. to Instagram. There, yeah, lot, there, there are a lot. There Sorry. are a lot of adults. Yeah. There are a lot of adults using TikTok. Very similar demographics to Instagram. Yeah. Also, at an incredibly uh, close actual user rate. However, the reason the algorithms are favouring you know, people that are best at dancing, it typically happens to be the kids that can do 18, 19 videos a day. But it's not brand specific. And uh, I've had this discussion with a lot of my friends in the fitness world and I've taken the piss out of a few of them. You are diluting your brand, your message and your offering in a bid to get fucking arbitrary views and likes from fucking strangers who have no emotional attachment to you apart from seven seconds of entertainment you've provided them. You are not presenting a solution and no one's going to see you do a fucking routine or mime an audio or listen to some fucking soundtrack and go, fuck me, that's the PT I need. And even if they click on the link in your bio, after you've done an amazing dance, you go, oh, wow, that fucking guy's a PT. You're going to have no gravitas. They're going to think this guy's obviously a comedian that does PT in his spare time. And although you can get a million fucking views on something, I think a video of you on YouTube that got 74 views of you telling someone how to split their macros would be a much better investment in your time and effort on social media. It's not an impressive amount of views, but you definitely convert a lot more potential prospects out of it. Mm -hmm. Just to counter that very briefly, I consulted with one girl the other month who uh, went semi-viral on TikTok to the point where she had about 10K followers. Within a week, she also had 1,500 emails and 500 people in the Facebook group. That's doing it. Yeah, that's doing it right there. Yeah. And, uh, so I can't but I think it's. I think I think that's a very much exception to the rule. And if we were to, I, yes, you have to. Bias, yeah, isn't it? You have to do yeah. it very, very well, basically. I think the majority of PTs have, like have fallen on their ass. And you have to do it with thought. You have to. You have to do it with thought. Yeah. Well, Darren, look what happened to Darren. Darren was doing all these. Darren's okay. We're going to pick on him now. I hope he's watching. So Darren was doing all these TikToks, and his TikToks are actually excellent but they weren't really doing anything for him. So we did a little consult and he signed up 165 new clients yeah. in a week. That's crazy. Again, it's, it's all about that logical next step. What yes. is the next step? Like yeah. with that, if, cause TikTok is ultimately an awareness platform. You're going to get mass reach with this, but you are not going to convert many people directly from TikTok. Is that yeah. what is that next step to get the select few people who see your TikTok videos and go, Oh, cool, okay, they seem like a decent person. They appear to offer a solution to a problem I'm having in as much as they are talking about fitness stuff. Maybe they're miming and dancing as well. Um, but then it's what's that next step where you can, uh, to use James's analogy, take him to the bar and slip something in the drink. <laughs> did, did James say that? I missed that I don't think he said that. No, no, no he, did, he did say that. that that's, that's me adding that, sorry. I think it's really important that you, when you're creating any kind of content on any kind of platform, that your intention is set out from the very beginning. If you're going to use TikTok, use it with intention. If you're mm -hmm. going to use LinkedIn, use it with intention. And again, it comes back to understanding who you really are, what your message really is, where your demography are spending their time. So use TikTok. If you're great at dancing, you're a great singer, then that's a great platform for you to create awareness and get attention, but use it with intention. So 
make sure that you have an end goal and that can be an email address it can be a website social media is is literally a sat nav to a destination um, if you've got a website or an email address you need to direct people to it somehow um, otherwise it's like putting a flag in the middle of the north pole with no no map so your social media is your map your sat nav to drive people to a specific point you're essentially just asking people to raise their hand yeah yeah and yeah exactly so using something with intention it doesn't matter what platform it is um i find tiktok really interesting because of the massive amount of growth but it's like house party it's given somebody um it's given people somewhere to go where they can be distracted from the shit and fear that's going on in their life at the moment so if you can monetize that and use it ethically to grow your own business then there's no reason why you shouldn't but understand what you're doing and have an intention mm -hmm. final point on this just because i'm cautious of, of time anyone that's got a client base at the moment write them down and map where you got them from because our ego will play a big role in us thinking we're fucking amazing but when we put down our 20 or 30 clients and we go facebook facebook on the floor on the floor and we must always play back our efforts into that exact same amount. Because what I think is happening is a lot of people are now scaling up the amount of time and effort they're putting into TikTok, trying to look out for new trends. But little do they know that the majority of their business came from Facebook. And I wish the amount of fitness business owners in the last few years had looked at their Google Analytics, they would realize the majority of their buying clients came from Facebook, even though they got less likes and shares through Facebook. And it's a shame that in a world where we quantify our engagement as the biggest thing, even to this day with a smaller following on Facebook, over 70% of my academy members come through Facebook. So we must not neglect the social media platforms that have got us to where we are, just because a new shiny fancy platform that could give you a million views in your first video comes along. This is real business. This is actual business. Yeah. Look at the lifetime value of those people as well. Look how, not just where the majority of them have come from, but how much money they have directly put into your business. Because you may get a hundred clients from TikTok, let's say, but if they stay with you for a month and then fuck off, then they've put a hundred months worth of of business into uh, money into your business. Yeah. Whereas if you can get ten clients from somewhere else that spend five years with you each, that is just so much. That, that that's where you should be investing your time to get more people like that rather than the the people on TikTok who don't actually spend a huge amount of money with your business. It's I great. Think the, I think the reality is, Lawrence, a lot of people don't know these numbers and measurements. They're not, they're not, they don't know how to measure success. Well, that's something you need to work on, basically. Yeah, um, yeah. Do some maths, because yeah. maths is really useful. Or get somebody else to do the maths. That's or get somebody else to do the maths for you. Either way. Like, uh, yeah, just let me talk. Just let me talk. You do the rest. Marketing <laughs> is not just talking to people in the right way. Yeah. yeah. Marketing is not just talking to people in the right way. It's understanding who to talk to and how to talk to them. And that is informed by numbers. Like yeah, that's not informed by anything else. Yeah, understanding yeah. what works. And you cannot, you cannot scale anything unless you know the numbers behind it. Like, yeah. you know, because otherwise you are literally flogging a dead horse. Yeah, I think that's probably... I say literally, figuratively flogging a dead horse. <laughs> that, I hope, <laughs> no, hope no, nobody's literally. literally flogging a dead horse. Yeah, um, I, I think that's um, probably an excellent point to round everything off on, actually, is get into the analytics, know what's working, know where your people have come from, from the off. Thank you so much for your time, everyone. You're welcome. I'm conscious of, like, James especially, I've just seen his message pop up on the thread. Asking for a mate. <laughs>
<laughs> no, we uh, we hugely value your time. Um, that was absolutely fantastic. Um, everyone that is watching, you have access to these videos until the 10th of May. So if you've missed anything or you need to recap it, review it. Um, if you, I'm going to press this point anyway, because it's for bloody charity. If you've got someone that can't watch it this weekend, they can still get tickets this weekend. It all goes in one pot. We've got loads of fantastic speakers. No one's taking a penny for this. Uh, it's just for a great call. So thank you for, to everyone on the panel. Amazing. Thank, thank you. you so thank much. You. Thank you guys. Thank you guys. Take care. Thank you very much. Thank you so Cheers. much. Cheers. Bye. Right. I am now going to end the live feed and we will be back at 12.30. Won't we? What have we got at 12.30? What do we nutrition, have? Nutrition, isn't it? It's oh, nutrition, nutrition isn't, it? isn't it? Do you know what I think will be really good to discuss? Um, because I feel like so much of that has been like, this is how you market, this is how you grow business. Like, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back to coaching, like actual practice. Because I think a few times in that, and I didn't want to jump in with people, but people, it, it seemed like it was coming across like, everyone does the same thing so how do you market yourself differently and i really don't think that's true but I'm no sure and, and, and speaking as a as a consumer certainly like i have found you know i've worked with quite a few different personal trainers now and i found that they all offer like quite different services and quite different ways of doing things and have all had different strengths and and benefits as well but also you know i see other i i you know kind of through doing the podcast and stuff I follow a lot of personal trainers and I see a lot of the different things that they offer and I know that that you know there is such a wide variety of people out there that which is I think like it demonstrates that it's so important to figure out what it is that you do as well as how it is that you get business because because yeah. what it is that you do and how well you do it is also really important I think it's you know it's something that we forget and I think we forget it because we see a lot of you know, you see a lot of people being very successful on social media for no apparent reason. You think, well, why does that person have six million followers? Like, what, you know, what are they doing? And I think that we think that that applies elsewhere in our lives. It doesn't. You know, you, you, you need qualifications, you need skills, you need um, actual useful talents to use. And I think yeah. that now more than ever in like Corona times, we're seeing that the people that don't have those things are really starting to suffer because they can't compete with the people that do. Yeah, there are so many variables that contribute to that. It's not, as you said, yeah. it's not just the qualification. It's not just what someone's putting out on social media. It's their ability to communicate with an audience. It's them as a likable person. It's so many different things. So, yeah, I think we we cover so much across this weekend. I'm properly looking forward to getting involved. Just yeah. it's just a, it's a humble, uh, humble break the, then. Yeah. What with the like adapting to training at home and the actual coaching side of things and. Yeah, I think, I mean, I've worked with people who have over 100,000 followers, but can't fill a group coaching program of 50 people. Yeah. Like, it matters what you put out as well. You could have, I mean, I've got less than half of that as a following, but all my group coaching sells out because yeah. of the content I put out. It's not just about, I didn't get that many likes. I didn't get that many shares, but it, and I think we always measure ourselves on that. It's a vanity think, metric though, isn't it? Yeah. Like yeah. By likes, followers, that translates this, which doesn't necessarily. Um, we're going to take a short break now, aren't we? Yeah. Yes. I'm going we'll to be back at 12.30. So I'm going to end this live and we will start a new live. See you soon, 12:30. guys. See you soon. Bye-bye.